and gentlemen we are back with episode 55 of zed daily today i have a long time viewer i think you probably one of my first viewers at least consistent people in chat so i appreciate that but i have avon field stables with us today a fellow content creator of zed run how you doing my friend i'm good man how you doing i'm great man so avon here. you you know the questions uh, i'm sure so we'll start it out before you got into zed run how did you find crypto Man, my crypto story is a wild, oh, not I wouldn't say a wild one, but it was pretty much a constant losses. I got into crypto back and in, I guess it was 2017 when uh, everything boomed and everything went crazy. And I started out in uh, XRP and Tron and uh, XRP died and Tron, I don't know where Tron's at now versus where he bought it, but I pretty much bought at the peak and just let stuff sit forever. And then the NFT gig started going and I actually had a buddy who I actually have one of his Genesis now put me onto Zed Run, and I was like, "Oh, this is a scam. This is a this is a pyramid scheme." Blah blah blah. And the more I looked into it, the more I was like, "Hey, there's there's some potential here," and started buying horses. And uh, I got in, so I basically moved everything out of the other crypto holdings where we were down like probably eighty percent on what we initially put in. I think XRP still struggling with the uh, with the lawsuits with the federal government and things like that, but. Uh, here we are, man. Here we are. So how did you get the name Avon Field Stables? Is it like a local airport next to your house? Like, where does that name come from? Yeah, yeah. So it's a local it's a local street and golf course here, kind of right behind the house. And I thought I had a good ring to it. Um, it was my soccer. I was a big FIFA guy. So I played a lot of FIFA prior to, uh, to Zed. And this year, I got sick and tired of FIFA. And I said, screw this. I'm taking all the money I put into FIFA points. I'm going to invest it in something I can actually get a return on. And something, you know, with NFTs. I own the NFT. FIFA cards, you don't own squat. Like EA wants to take your stuff away. EA takes your stuff away. So moved everything there. And that was the name of my FIFA club for a while too. Of course, not stables, but it was, you know, Avon Fields FC. And uh, here we are. So before we get into Zed Run, since you like FIFA, did you go for Footium at all? Like uh, I saw a lot of Zed people go for that. Are you into that project at all? Yeah, I'm starting to look into it now. I actually talked to another guy who was the FIFA guy. There's a group of like four or five of us who got into NFTs that all played FIFA together. So me and one of the other guys are looking into it. And uh, I think there's a pretty good chance we're going to get in here in the next month or so. I think once we get some funds together, uh, Zed, of course, is going to be number one. But we get a couple tournament wins here or there. I could definitely see us jumping in and, and going going halves on a Footium team for sure. Yeah, that that I can see that being a lot of fun. Just like you and your buddies, you guys own like a digital football club and like you just get to compete against other teams like that shit sounds a lot of fun oh absolutely and it's so much like uh like fifa has career mode and it looks so much like like manager career mode in the fifa side that i think that on the blockchain could be huge and that could be a huge project long term 100 percent. so you find zed run and you get this genesis horse um was it entertainment or investment at that point um, hard to call it investment because I lost my ass for probably the first like two and a half months like we all did. You know, you buy a couple of horses, half of them are donkeys. And uh, I got in back late August, early September. So I think that was the highest horse prices probably ever were at least in the last probably six months. So even the donkeys that we bought were, you know, 0 0.1, 0 0.12, 0.15. Um, I've checked back on a few of those horses now. And I mean, they're, they're 2% winners, three, 4% winners now. So it was ugly starting out. So it was definitely more entertainment value then, but also kind of that D gen fun aspect. I grew up in Kentucky, you know, Cincinnati, right across the river. We've got a horse park that was 10 minutes from where I grew up. So uh, the horse racing aspect was definitely kind of a blend of both for me. What was the catalyst that switched it from entertainment to investment? Was it uh, the change from like odds to flames? Was it you saw how much money could be made in this game? Like what was the one point where you said like, I need to take this game serious? Um, probably when you keep losing money, when you see that, that initial income value down, 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 and you pick up a few good horses, like the first good, decent horse I had, I bought with two races ended up being a pretty good racer up through really December when the, uh, when the class system changed and that kind of changed everything for the horse. But seeing that there was that income potential there definitely kind of dialed in the focus, got more serious. Um, I think I rebuilt the stable twice in that time. I want to say maybe three times where I sold everything, but you know, the one or two horses that I know could, that I knew could win and sold everything and restarted and really kind of the, the big sale sell off I did back in November, right before Thanksgiving was where I brought in a few of my best horses kind of within the stable. And I mean, it's still a, a very much a budget stable. Um, you know, I'm not sitting here with 
any horses over probably. I think the lowest Z number I've got is the Z6 Elite, and I got that for 0.1. So, um, you know, making some of those good initial purchases and finding those gems there on on OpenSea and Hawk U and Know Your Horses and things like that. And then seeing that, you know, just a couple small tweaks and a, a dialing in of the, the investment strategy. Um, that was really when I started looking at, you know, the, the profit and loss graphs on uh, Know Your Horses. That graph there, when you see how far down you go and then you're like, all right, we got to turn this around. Let's get serious and start treating it, you know, more like a business and less like an investment or less like entertainment value. I mean, obviously there's entertainment value in it all the way around, but you know, kind of switching that mindset of like, all right, let's dial this in a little bit. Let's get a little bit more serious. Let's stop running five win percent horses in 250 races and just taking losses over and over again. And then getting, you know, two wins every three or four days, it's just not sustainable in that regard. So um, it was really taking more of a business minded approach to it that, that set things off and sent us on the right directory. So when you would switch, were you looking for tournament horses that could compete and freeze and then win? Or were you looking for horses that could just grind out the two fifties and five dollars and whatever horse you were looking for. How did you go about finding them? Was it Haku know your horses? And like, what was the yeah. statistics you would enter? For sure. So I, I'm, I'm not a free race guy. It's probably one of the things I hate most in this game right now is the free races. Um, because of the impact they have on the whole ecosystem, you put these frees in you, especially right now with no tournaments, you distance, you disincentivize, uh, people to even race two fifties and then everything in freeze right now is downclassing. So really right now freeze, everyone's just racing for last. You've got 85, 90% downclassers finishing second and third more than they're losing races because they aren't quote unquote donkeys. And it's the donkeys who are finishing last. Um, so I'm not a big free race guy. I look pretty much exclusively in paids. Um, it's changed a lot over the last month or so. Um, you know, the last big stable revamp I did was right after the, the second or third term. And I want to say it was right after the first pity point. And at that point I was basically looking for, you know, a horse that's run a hundred plus paid races. And I was looking for, you know, 10 and a half to 11% plus win rates, uh, logic there being, if I've got a horse that can win 250 plus, I've definitely got a horse that can win freeze. And if I've got a horse that can qualify in 250 plus one, it's probably going to be in lower class points. So it's going to be better set for at least that quarterfinal round of the tournament anyway. And two, if you're a 250 racer beating other 250 racers qualifying for a tournament, you're almost definitely better than all the free racers that's probably going to be in your quarterfinal field. Um, you know, as you've said many times, you know, that quarterfinal field can be the toughest round sometimes. So if you can get out of there, the semis are always kind of a crapshoot of do, do you hit your variance role? Do you not hit your variance role? But at least the quarters, you've got some impact on who you're racing against, what you're racing against. And, uh, and you can kind of set your own terms there a little bit with freeze finding, and paid. Finding a horse that is good in 250s, do they have to have a down button so they don't get stuck at a top? Like when you're looking at these horses, do you have to be like, okay, I have the potential to bring this horse back down or it's just like, hey, I'm going to be able to race this in 250s and it's not going to go above whatever class? Yeah, so I, that's a great question. Uh, Absolutely. I'm looking. So I wasn't looking for down buttons as much then. I was mainly looking for that profit and seeing, you know, where could we run this horse and how high up could we take it? And uh, a lot of times that was scouting early. The nice thing I was finding with those win percentages and the fact that at that time I was filtering by 100 plus races, the only way you're going to be profitable and having that kind of win percentage with over 100 paid races is if there either is a down button or you've got a U shape. Um, because a lot of those horses with over a hundred races and, and those kind of win rates and paid would either already be stuck or they would already be manipulating that class system up and down. Um, now I do look for a lot of down buttons because I have had a few horses that have gotten stuck. Um, and then, you know, just kind of using the tools that you've got hockey's huge. Know your horses is huge. Um, I think speed's a lot different now than it was pre-speed change. Um, so I'm not using speeds as much anymore. I'm really looking more so from a, from results driven way of looking at the horse. All right. So what's your, what's your breeding strategy with your horses? Like, or I mean, what is your strategy? Are you trying to breed racers or would you rather just go and buy one? Um, right now I, I say I'm a breed to race stable. Um, and you know, more so in that class, to maybe you know low class two through high class five range um just because that's the caliber of horses that i have so i'm using a lot of like low z uh, exclusives i love the low z finney exclusives it's probably one of my favorite horses for value right now in the game um i mean you can find some low z finneys right now for 
man, 0.07 that have 12% win rates and, you know, 0.03, 0.04 profit over, you know, a hundred races or so. I mean, you get a horse like that, that can run two fifties and fives and you can make, you know, 0.05 a month. Um, and usually because you're getting them at the exclusive level, you've bred out enough of the base ability there that that horse is winning because of variance or distance preference, which almost automatically means you've got those down buttons. So you can run them up and then free race them down, especially with, you know, eight races a day. I'll race a few times in the morning while I'm at work kind of in between stuff. And then I'll race at night, um, pretty hard and heavy. And, you know, if you can get in 12, 15 races a day and down buttons, you're shaving off, you know, 20, 25 class points in a day. And if you can do that, you can run horses up and down C3 pretty much all day long. Um, so that's where I've found a lot of success, especially at that exclusive level, because a lot of that initial base ability, you know, the Z5s may have had has been bred out to an extent. And at, at, what's the lowest Z number again? Sorry if I already asked that. That I have in my stable? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a Z6. It's a Z6, uh, it's a Z6 elite from terms as bloodlines. So there's some pretty good blood there. That's my uh, that's my C3 sprinter, Sarevi, who's pretty pretty good horse there, good little U-shaper. So are you looking to bring a certain amount of revenue out of Zed each month? Are you looking to win a tournament? Like, how do you go about running your stable and bringing money in like, or bringing money out? Yeah, so I've kind of got – I've got my paid racers and I've got my non-paid racers. And my logic with my paid racers for tournaments is I'll race them – Four tournaments, like if we get a FIB, once we get this ELO system out, I'll race them in a mix of free and paid with the logic being I'll use the paid to bring in some income and keep the income flowing for the stable. And then I'll race them in freeze because that'll get me the wins I need just to qualify. And then by using that method, of course, we kind of keep our class points down a little more. We keep things a little manageable. My experience running my paid racers into freeze is they run themselves so high into class two or low C1. And then I'm spending a week getting them down. And then if you don't win that first quarterfinal race, I'm out two weeks of revenue where, you know, two weeks with some of these horses, I can make two, 300 bucks over the course of two weeks. Um, so those paid racers, those 250 and $5 paids, I'll run like half and half in, in free and paid during tourney time and just try and qualify on basically on the bubble. And then my, my free racers that I know aren't the best in paids, I'll just try and qualify them. I'll try and get them down class as low as I can before the start of the tournament. And then I'll race them like crazy through freeze and just let them go wild through the class points because I know they're probably not going to be great two fifty four or five dollar horses, but they might hit a spot and get lucky in a tournament somewhere. So I'll use those horses in the freeze uh, just to give myself an outside shot. What's and those horses surprise you sometimes too. Um, I've got one horse that's won two quarter final races in, in A cups and pity points. And almost won a semifinal that I didn't think was going to have a chance in anything. And it was just, it just kind of fell on your lap kind of a thing. All right, cool. Cause I was just about to ask you, what's the deepest you've gone in a tournament with, uh, with a horse? Yeah, so, uh, the table? Uh, it was actually a horse I won from zombie in one of his giveaways on stream. And, uh, it may, it finished fourth in a semi, um, fourth in a semifinal race. That's my, that's my horse Galga donuts. Okay. That's not, so how much was the payout on that one? Uh, so that was a, so I think we made like 400 in the first round and then fourth in the semis, of course, didn't get us anything, but, uh, that horse alone's made me almost point two. Okay. So is that, or is, is that like your single-handed biggest win Zed, that $400 win? Oh yeah, definitely. Like those, those two races were for sure the two biggest, um, you know, we keep qualifying horses, but luck's not been on my side. I think I'm over like 12 in the last few tournaments with horses we've qualified but um i love what's going on too with the jockey clubs ac across the the ecosystem you know with lucky jack heroin's got a great one i heard roid rager and i think two fools are doing some jockey clubs now um you know those are huge for small stables like mine i mean just the ability to go in and be able to race some of those horses with some of the best blood and get some profit share in that regard um you know that's huge and then you're also getting the uh the networking uh, you know, in, in, in my normal day-to-day -day job, networking is kind of everything. So if you can network with those stables, you might get opportunities because you're in those jockey clubs, um, you know, with breeding, or maybe they've got a horse that is middle of the road, or they've got way too many, you know, 1800 mid distance horses, and they've got this stud that they'll cut you a deal on because you've done good on them. Um, I think that's huge for this ecosystem and huge for where this goes forward, especially with, you know, lending and things like that. The jockey clubs show the potential for Zed long-term, I think 
with the lending aspects and things along those lines. 100%. And then exactly like you said, you can leverage those connections to where you make that relationship or you make that connection and then you never know how either one of you guys can benefit benefit from that down the line. But just being able to contact these stables and have like direct line of communication with them is very big. Yeah, no, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Chicago Stables asks, you still want Little Avon, my Z10 Genesis Stallion? <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Uh, it's funny. There's a few uh, horses out there that have some interesting meanings for me. I think uh, Stanley, who's not really around too much anymore, has got a horse that's got the same exact name as one of my dogs. Um, but yeah, hey, you know, you make me a good deal on it and it can race. We can chat. Uh, right now I'm in the market for the Z2. So I actually was just talking with a few guys this morning. Um, I think the ETH Sarah for a Z2. So I'm going to start hunting down, you know, that, that diamonds, that Z2 unraced, unnamed, um, talking with a few guys in the, with a, with a blood tool, you know, looking for the right horse at the right price. Um, and might even leverage one of the Genesis horses I have there with some extra, you know, you know, some, some trade value there maybe as well with some ETH. So it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and where. So I saw your road, like you, you, you stream and the, the titles of your stream is like a road to a Z2 legendary. Do you want to talk about like why you wanted it a Z2 legendary and um, just like your thought process behind that type of horse? <laughs> totally. So at least right now with the way things are, you know, Z2s, if you miss over the course, like if, uh, in my mind, if you're buying a Z2, you shouldn't be buying it strictly just to race or strictly just to breed, especially if you're going the UUU route. So really you're looking at a horse, you're going to have a month, maybe two months, maybe even three or four, depending on how deep you want to go with the bloodlines on that horse. So with where prices are now, you know, if you buy it at 0 0.43, 0 0.44, um, I don't, I, I didn't look at the floor today, but floors lately have been within, you know, 0 0.1, 0 0.08, somewhere in that range. Um, I'm willing to take that risk at that price because the reward, if you do hit, be it with a good breeder or you know, with a really, you, know, you hit a diamonds in that horse, or even you hit half of a diamonds in that horse, you're still looking at a horse that's going to pay itself off, you know, in, in two or three months. Um, and then if you believe the bloodlines, I mean, I think generally speaking, I don't know if there's anyone who's really going to argue that Z1s don't at least have the highest base in the game. And I think if you can at least plug, even if two middle of the road Z1s are probably so far ahead of where your middle of the road Z3s are, um, in terms of the Genesis level that that much base ability, just going in to start, you've got a better opportunity on the back end of at least rolling that dice and hitting that distance preference roll or hitting that huge variance roll and, uh, and going from there. So, uh, for my stable, at least right now, there's pretty much zero shot. I'll be in the Z1 or Z2 Genesis game anytime soon. So the closest thing I see as being able to get to that is that Z2 leg, maybe even a Z3 leg, if the right one were to come along, um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I see things. And then, you know, I've told everyone who's been in, in the, in the, in the Twitch streams, basically any income I get on Twitch is going back into that horse purchase. So I kind of want it to be like a horse of the people and for the people kind of thing. Um, you know, like I said, not a huge stable. I think the initial income I had in here was like 1200 bucks. So um, being able to grow that into something substantial is, is kind of cool. And uh, I like it from the perspective of you can get into this ecosystem with, only a few hundred or 1500 bucks or so. And if you do the right things and you make the right purchases and you grind it out in the right way, you can grow it into two, three, four X and get into some better horses and better horse potential. Now let's say you hit, you hit on your Z2. It's a fucking gym. First week you get an offer of five Eve. You keeping it or are you selling the horse? Let's say you only got first week. So we'll say you got about 50 races, five ETH yeah. offer. 20% win rate, you going to keep it or, or sell it? I, I think you keep it, at, at least for right now. And I say that is also because, you know, a five ETH offer is great, but if you've got a horse that's killing it right now, especially with one ELO coming out, which is going to totally change this ecosystem, at least for, I would think a month or two. Um, we saw it with, uh, was it Starry Night Stables yesterday? Kind of broke down ELO really, really well, I think yesterday. Um, I think ELO is going to come out and it's going to change this ecosystem in a big way. And that I think you're going to see a lot of people potentially tank ELOs. So you might see some monsters sitting at super, super low ELOs. Like you might see a wavelength starting out at, you know, literally zero ELO. 
And then that, that horse is just going to run crazy through horses for probably a month or two. Um, so I think with that coming out, that's a big change. If you've got that horse right now, Elo comes out, I could do the same thing. If I've got that horse, you know, make more profits that way, but then we may not see tournaments for a couple of weeks. So if we don't see tournaments, I think you've got to at least that horse run through a tournament and see what it can do in that regard. And in that, um, realm, and then a five ETH offer, if you win a tournament, you know, there's only two ETH on top of a tournament win or three ETH probably on top of a big tournament win. So then that offers even mitigated a little bit more. So I think you've got to let the horse at least run through a tournament and see what it can do there. See what kind of profits it can generate in the tournament. And um, because you've got a horse like that, you've got so much potential uh, in terms of the tournament side that five ETH you might make in a month and a half just running it through tournaments. If you had to pick, would you say I want a super distance preference crimson chin type horse or a u-shaped type horse which one would you want and why right now i'm probably taking the crimson chin um long term i think u-shapes are going to have such value with the elo atmosphere um you know i think i think u-shapes or i think we're going to see the price of u-shapes go up probably twofold um, of course, you know, not financial advice, but if you can get some good U-shapes right now that can make money in those, you know, 250 to $10 price ranges and qualify for tournaments, I think there's a lot to be had there. Um, especially, you know, with some of the things coming down the pipeline, I think U-shapes are the long-term hold right now. I think currently though, you know, Crimson Chin, the ability to go in and throw your horse in a hundred dollar race, of course, if there was a hundred dollar race five times a day and maybe win two or three or place in one and, and, and podium in two or three, uh, you can't, you can't negate that aspect of that horse. Mm-hmm. You, no. you really can't. No, uh, it, the actually like in, in C1 right now, it's just been stuck on a thousand meter, hundred dollar buy-in. So it just keeps fucking running them back to back. So Crimson is just yeah. eating. He's eating right now, but yeah, it's a, yeah, he's it's printing. A, it's a fucking hundred dollar buy-in to win seven fifty. You can lose seven of them things in a row and yeah. still be like, all right, yeah, I just won one. I'm back even again, and then let's keep running it again. We'll run our seven again. Yeah, and and you know if he loses one and comes in twelfth and one, he's probably on the back end of his tiny U. So then you probably got two or three wins coming back to back to back in the next two or three. Yeah. So you have a horse like that. I think there's something to be said for consistency. And if you're at that echelon of horse anyway that horse is going to eat whether we have an ELO system or not. Let's just be honest. I mean, he might be running the same 12 horses every time at his ELO, but he's going to eat and he's going to feast and he's going to make money regardless of whether he's a U-shape or not. In that right, because he's already feasting right now. Uh, Ken Folk yeah. Stable says, Jockey clubs do open the door for collusion, though. Agree that they are a net positive, but they need some uh, policing slash structure. Do op- um, I... Do you do you know how there would be possible collusion? Yeah, so it came up in another person's stable or in, a, in, a, in an argument in another stream this week. And I, I can kind of see both sides of it. But essentially what someone was saying was that you had someone with the breeding stable and someone with their uh, non-breeding stable, like their racing stable. And they would put their horse that was a distance horse into these 2400s right at the cut time and then throw – you know, horses from two of their other stables in to make it feel faster that were thousand meter horses. So they kind of fix fields, but you know, we're seeing Wagme do that daily right now in class one, you can look at class one races where Wagme has got nine horses in and they're taking first, second, and third, because one, they know they can. And two, they're getting all those, all those fees from the horses that don't podium. So they're basically making, you know, if they enter a $500 race, they're making 1500 bucks a pop from the three horses that they beat. So you're seeing that across all distance levels right now. You know, I don't think, I think calling it collusions, taking it maybe a step too far. If you want to work to fix races as much as you can in your favor, people are going to do it. Um, And I don't know if there's any way really around that because there's no way for Zed to know what's my breeding stable and what's my non-breeding stable and what is my buddy stable sitting across the table for me who just entered two donkeys in to fill it real quick so that we could qualify. Um, I think, you know, long-term, I think the access there would outweigh the negatives in that regard. Um, 
because essentially what's good for the bottom feeders of the ecosystem is only going to flow up. If we can get newcomers in here who can go into jockey clubs and they can race in those jockey clubs and get some profit in the jockey clubs, one that's exciting for that newcomer that they can get in and race horses that they could probably never afford starting out or, or get the access to the bloodlines to even starting out. Um, but that gets invigoration in the lower level. It's going to pump money into the ecosystem and make things better in the long run. I got you. You got Zook Salty in the chat. He says, that jersey is so ugly. Is that a prison jumpsuit? Oh, come on, man. We're live from the natty right now, man. You shouldn't expect anything less, Zook. Hey, youngins are about I, to pull I, it out. I, I, did, I did pour one out for your boy Big Ben last night, though, mm -hmm. in his retirement. All right, man. That, that's funny. So, um, thoughts on current, um, current updates, like roadmap, like what are you bullish on heading into this next year of Zed run? I mean, I think if the ELO system comes out and gets situated, you know, we, we, I don't know if anyone was around for Dan who was in zombie stream, had a, like an hour long conversation about things with ELO, but ELO is kind of the, the base that everything's going to be built off of coming through. So if that comes out, I expect there to be a lot of hiccups earlier, maybe not hiccups, but I expect there to, th to be things kind of, kind of wonky at first. Cause it's basically a, a full reset, whatever you could have a, you know, diamonds with four or 500 class points in C1, Elo is going to come out and he's at base zero. Mm -hmm. So there's going to take time for those horses to, to weed themselves up and get themselves there. But it sounds like they're going to do things right. And I found it interesting that in that zombie stream with Dan, he, Dan basically alluded that, you know, internally in Zed, they're not calling it ELO. They're trying to get the term ELO out of everyone's heads, mm -hmm. which makes me think it may not be an ELO system in the truest sense that people are used to, like it would be with chess or like, I think League of Legends for a long time had an ELO system. Um, it may not be an ELO system in that regard, like we know it, but once that gets out and that kind of gets itself established, I think that launches things forward. Uh, lending, I'm super excited about. Um, just the ability to make money or like, let's say, let's say me and the wife want to go on vacation for a month and go to Europe for a month. Cause we hit a couple races big and yada, yada, yada. We can do that, put all the horses in the lending barn and still make passive ETH that way because the horses will get rented out. Um, I think for this to get mass acceptance, lending's got to come and it's got to come in, in, in function well. Um, and I'm not a huge tokenomics guy, so I can't really talk a whole lot to that regard, but I think like daily tournaments, um, I'm excited for daily tournaments. I wasn't super excited about like double, like double down races, um, until yesterday. And the way, you know, Starry Night explained it, that got me excited because I was sitting there looking at my stable going, you know, if we can get double down tournaments, I can enter, I'd enter a $10 race. I'd enter a $50 race with some of my horses. If all I had to do was finish top six, mm. um, that aspect alone, if Zed can come out with that and send things more like the DFS route, which I think a lot of people are saying they're going. Um, I think that blows this system up in a huge way when people can come in, even from the entry level standpoint, you can buy a lot of horses as an, as a newer, as a newer guy into the, into the ecosystem that'll probably get you money top 50%, you know, a little bit better than half the time. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, top three for me, ELO systems gotta be done right. And if it is, that's the thing I'm most excited about because I think it'll get things uh, firmly established much better than they are now. And then two would be lending in terms of the roadmap. All right. Yeah. The, I, I, would never heard of like double doubles or I never even thought of like doing like a winner takes all, but when starry nights was breaking it down like that now, right. It was mostly speculation. We don't know if they're ever going to introduce these things, but it sounded like some great, like great. It sounded like a great idea. So yeah, it would be cool to see like, yeah, if you just had a left leaning horse, you didn't have to go into the winner take all pool. You could just go into the 50-50, bank on getting your top six, and then take whatever you get, right? Because first place would pay out the most, but you'd still get paid out first through six, right? Yep. Or, or like I have a horse right now in my stable, 90% flame horse, like a 16% podium horse. For whatever reason, the horse never makes top three. But that horse always sits four, five, six, seven. I would say like 60, 70% of its races are four or five, six, seven. So that horse in that system has so much more opportunity. Initially, when I heard people talking about this kind of the system, I was thinking they were saying one, two, three would have the standard payouts you've got now. And then they would give entry fees back for four, five, six, seven. Um, my question there was more centered around 
where does Zed get the money to do this? Or do they bankrupt themselves because they can't sustain that payout system, I don't think, long, long term. Um, however, if it's a system where half get their money and half don't, where first gets the exact same amount of money as sixth, I think that really changes what horses have value. Um, and if Zed wants to make every horse have its place, you know, you give another probably 30 or 40% of horses that get bred an opportunity to at least break even. And if you're someone in this, in this space, if you're breaking even, you're having fun. I can sit at a poker table all night. I've played a lot of Texas Hold'em in my day. If I go to a poker table at a casino and put 250, 300 bucks down and I walk out four or five hours later with 250 or 300 bucks, I'm happy. I had a good night at the casino, hanging out, like playing some poker. It was a fun night with buddies kind of a thing. Um, breaking even is good. And if you're breaking even, people were typically happy. Right. Because this game is entertaining. It's just you got to feel like you have a shot at competing. If you have a shot at competing, there you go. Like that that incentivizes you to stick around because the game is already entertaining, but a lot of people just lose money. So they kind of like get into what you first got into and where it's like, oh, it's not fun anymore. I either need to change up my strategy or I'm going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right now there's a lot of people that get in buy a few donkeys off the floor for 40, 60, 80 bucks. They race 22, 50 races. They lose 50 bucks. Now they're out a hundred bucks. The horse is never flamed. It's never podium. Um, you know, they put it in a free race, but they make money and, and it wins a free, but they're still not making any of that investment back. Um, there's gotta be a way for, for those newcomers coming in to at least have like a starting point where they can kind of learn the ins and outs. And I think 50, 50 is that starting point. I can't think of a better way you know, maybe you make class six, all 50, 50 races when class six comes out and make class six, that breeding ground of here's where you learn. Here's where you get your feet wet. You get out of class six. Maybe there's less 50, 50s or maybe 50, 50s go away entirely. Um, and you allow people to kind of get their feet wet in the ecosystem in paid. Um, it's another reason I don't like freeze right now. It's so hard for newcomers right now to figure out where they make their money because there's so many horses that can win paids in class four but can't win a paid in class four or five. Hmm. Did I say that right? That, that can win frees, but can't ever win a paid. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And they think you've got this great horse because it's winning all these frees or it's a 50% winner in frees or you shaped in frees, but then you go to paid and all that goes away. Okay. Gotcha. Zook in the chat says DM him if you guys don't have any uh, community cup tokens and he'll DM you one for free. So uh, yeah, if you guys want a community cup token, hit up Zook. So I wanted to ask you, I see you streaming and then um, I'm not sure if it's your wife or your girlfriend, uh, but I see you guys talking. How do you explain what you're doing like to your friends and family? Like, how do you explain digital horse racing? I'm streaming. I'm trying to get this Z2 Nakamoto because it has the best shot at being one of the best horses in the game. Like, how do you tell your friends about this? Um, I've shown a bunch of friends that, and they're like, this is actually kind of cool. Like, this is kind of neat. None of them have jumped in. I think they're all, a lot of my friends are very much in the, in the mindset of like, oh, NFTs are pointless. They have no point. You're paying money for a fake picture. Like I could just save it and use it, blah, blah, blah. Like they just don't get it. And I don't think they get the utility aspect. Um, you know, one of the, one of the first guys I really got into on Twitch was a guy named Al Smizzle. Um, he's a DFS guy. He's a big NFT guy too. But like, if you look at NFTs, NFTs can solve a ton of application problems. Like you know, down to like tickets, tickets for football games, baseball games, NBA games, you name it. You know, the NBA could just make a, a ticket shop through the blockchain and like the ability for people to counterfeit NBA tickets would instantly get so much harder because you would have, you know, a designated buying source. So blockchain can fix things even down to like ticket sales and things along those lines. So I think the utility of NFTs are huge. They don't get that. Um, with my wife, it was kind of funny. I didn't. <laughs> she came home one day and I was just running some digital racehorse and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm don't, I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, I'll, I'll explain at dinner. Cause we're about to go out to dinner because I knew it was going to be something like, this is not a conversation I can just tell her about in three minutes and have her understand. And her exact words were like, well, just don't lose our money. If you lose our money, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, deal, deal. We're good. We're good. Um, because at the time, like, at the time, there was even issues with XRP, and I don't know if anyone else was in XRP, where like a lot of the, 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 the US-based exchanges took XRP off. So just finding somewhere where I could cash out the XRP I had that I lost all the money on and move it into another you know, 
into another um, another crypto was even difficult. So I finally got it all moved into ETH. We bought a couple horses um, and we raced them, and and here we are now. And I mean, we're we're definitely better now than we were when we started. So she's pretty happy about it. Uh, she's even takes taken some interest. Like she's watched some of our quarterfinal races, our semifinal races, um, things like that. So it's kind of become a little bit of a family affair, which is which is good for everybody in that regard. Yeah, that, that, I think if you can get them involved, they'll understand it a lot better, especially if it's your your spouse or significant other. Right. Yeah, it's very confusing from the outside looking in. Like I told my mom about this, and she she didn't understand it. Like, and I tried to tell her, like, Mom, I have one of the best horses in the game, and she's like, Yeah, I think this is a scam, blah blah blah. But then I start this podcast, and we're here we're at fucking fifty five episodes, and we just see how much people are in this ecosystem, and like. Oh yeah, it's it's not a scam because you see how much people take this shit serious. Look at at look at it as an investment. You guys got you got guys like PK, Wag Me, Arbitrage, King Trippy, just a bunch of big ass dudes in this game that are all super bullish on it. So it's just it's just easy to to be as bullish as they are on this game. Oh, so when you look at like some of their backgrounds, like when you've got people with you know Wall Street investment backgrounds investing into crypto horses and making money off of it. That should tell you a lot right there. When you get folks with that kind of like investment and finance backgrounds that are getting involved in the NFT space and, and crypto in general, and then adjusting that into the NFT side with some of these utility games and the play to earn space, um, that should tell you everything you need to know right there. If people are quitting their Wall Street jobs to come in and develop you know, play to earn games and, and spots in this crypto space with play to earn and, and Zed, you know, that should tell you a lot alone about, about the potential for what's coming. Yeah, it's it's I don't even think we know what the hell this is gonna be. Like I heard Gary V said like he was very bullish on the internet and like web two but he never saw being able to hit a button and a black car show up at your door to pick you up or hit a button and McDonald's shows up at your door just sitting there. So I think we're in for yeah, a wild ride. I'm I'm a I'm not a huge Nelk Boys fan with their podcast, but his the Gary V uh, Nelk Boys interview that they did a couple weeks ago was awesome. And he, Gary V pretty much said he was like, "I've made a ton of moves in my career right now." He's like, "But something's gonna happen at some point where this NFT space it's gonna bottom at some point." And he goes, "And when it does, he goes, that'll be the biggest move of my entire career because it's not going anywhere." He goes, "You see some of these NFTs hit like with the dot when dot com bubble burst, and I think oh one." Um, People lost so much money and Yahoo, I think now is, you know, I think Yahoo lost 90% of its value in a few months and you could have gone back in and bought Yahoo at that point and been a self-made millionaire by mm. 2015, 2016. So I think we're going to see a bubble burst. We're going to have to weather a few storms, I think, but those that do, and those that decide like, you know what, I'm going to stay bullish. It's not going anywhere. Um, you know, take that money, reinvest that capital. If you can take some profits along the way before the bottom drops out even better and then reinvest at the bottom, your opportunity there for, for, for potential is huge. Obviously, you know, not financial advice, but Never. it's going to happen. I think all markets are going to do it. I it's, it's, it's different with Zed run though, because you can look at the mass NFT market and be like, yes, I can predict a dip coming or a huge crash because there's no utility, right? Like, a board ape guy can't enter his board ape into a $500 race and walk away with 3500 So I think when this crash does happen, like I think Zed is that 1% that stays like just fine because of all the mass utility and like you can still make money on a day-to-day -day basis no matter what the value of your horse is or the perceived value of your horse, right? Exactly. I think you'll see some of the profile picture projects take the biggest hits. I think those projects with utility are going to be huge. And I think Zed, even on OpenSea to this day, I think Zed is still the number one uh, traded sports genre NFT in the entire market on the entire Ethereum blockchain. So that alone holds value. Um, you know, very rarely do you see everyone fall out, including number one down to zero. There's going to be winners. There's going to be losers. It's about your bets on where you think that's going to be. And if you think it's Zed, I personally think it's Zed. If you think it's Zed and it's Zed, we all win. And if it happens to not be Zed, so be it. But I think, I think long-term we're going to be just fine with Zed run. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at the roadmap as well uh, because I come from a, a background where I've been to a bunch of horse racing stuff. I think you're going to see Zed run make a huge push right around one of the biggest horse racing events of the year. And that's breeders cup. 
Raiders Cup's uh, first weekend in November, which happens to sync up perfectly with their marketing campaign push in uh, early Q4. So I would not be surprised, kind of like some of the marketing we saw with the Melbourne Cup, if you saw a big marketing campaign push, kind of like we saw with the Preakness skins uh, around Breeders' Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if potentially you saw the first like true Breeders' Cup maiden where it was no Genesis. It was all bred horses. It could only be legs down. Um, wouldn't be surprised if you saw that at all at that point. So let's say we're at this this point of time. What does the game look like to you? Do you think by this time, if we're making the marketing push, they have either these 50 fit or these double double races or like winner takes all races, daily tournaments, like all of that stuff should probably should be implemented by the time we get to the mass marketing push and like try and bring on new users. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even through that push, I think you see this the total user base at least double, if not more between now and that time. And then from there, it's really a matter of, um, I think for this game to succeed best, it's got to get some big backing from the horse racing community. And if you get a few big people uh, in the horse racing background, you know, you get some of the big, the big us based stables, you get someone like Darley starting to put money into this. Um, even, could you imagine if Darley, built a, a Zed Dow. I mean, there's so much money in Darley anyway in real life horse racing. If Darley were to make a Zed run racing Dow, I mean, you think Wagney's big. I think Darley is run by like the Sultans of Dubai. They have more money than, than most small countries in the world. Like there's so much investment opportunity there, but you've got to get some of the big players, I think in real life horse racing in. Um, and if you can do that, I think sky's the limit. I mean, I see a world at some point where you go to the Kentucky Derby in between races one and two, you've got a Zed run race. That's an invite only, or like a, um, like a Redwood stakes kind of a deal where then you can go in and people could buy Des token, like a Des machine, and then go to the, go to the booth and bet right there in the booth on the in-between race. Cause there's no, uh, there's no loss to the track at that point. They get the income, they get the revenue share from the Des that gets bought or sold. Um, granted, that's got a lot of hurdles there. It's got a lot of gambling hurdles it's got to cross, which we all know. But I mean, if something like that can happen long term, I mean, you're looking at a space that's multi, multi million, if not billion dollar space. Yeah, I I 100 percent agree. I think the when we get to that point, it's impossible to buy a racehorse. I think the only way to hit and change your life in this game is to go you, you, you at that point. Because yeah. you'll just be priced out. Like every, everybody knows what they have at that point, right? Like if you got a racer and you can make this much money or it's worth this much, much a lot of people aren't going to come off their horse. And, and if you've got a Genesis, mm-hmm. or if you're looking for a Genesis, you're not going to find a Genesis in the breeding barn. Mm-hmm. Those Genesis are going to have deals made for probably all 35,000 Genesis horses. So then your legs become super high demand. And even then your legs, because those are all done on internal deers and deals. Then that blood gets more expensive. Um, you know, as this game goes to massive scale, that's where your legs start getting a lot of buy, like a lot of value. That's when your exclusives start getting a lot of value. I mean, even your elites, I could see a situation 18 months from now where the average Z number horse in a race is a Z 30 or a Z 40. And, and you're that guy running a Z eight in a field of Z thirties and Z forties in class three or class four, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I got a Z2 in my Griffin, blah, blah, blah. Well, we could be those guys 18 months from now. Mm, good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, because we don't really look at like as a Z10 elite as shit right now, but that could be the hot shit a few few months from now. Yeah, like, like I guess my I guess the best way to put it, what happens when you go to the Genesis barn and there's four horses there? Period. Across all breeds, all genotypes, there's just four Genesis horses in the breeding barn. I could see an, an ecosystem where that happens once you're looking at a million horses and they fix the, the internal breeding issues and things like that. And you can put a horse on reserve. So I could look at you and say, Hey, I've got my Genesis. I'm going to hold it for you. Here's the passcode to breed the horse. It's all yours kind of a thing. So talk about that. What do you want to see as an, as a fix to the current state of breeding? I think you've got to bring breeding in house. You can't, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. Why do I need to set up a second stable to breed a horse to get the best discount? Yeah. It's, it's almost like something that they didn't even realize is going to happen. They were like, 
oh yeah, well, yeah, that makes the most sense, but there's been no urgency to fix it. And I get it because there's other bigger things that I think are a bigger push to the ecosystem and a bigger push to the better of Zed than fixing that. It's kind of an, it's an inconvenience that's not a huge um, negative um, other than like what, what happened with Alhambra where you have people botting horses and they're scanning the, 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 the contracts and things like that. That's where things become a problem. So I think you've got to bring a way to be able to breed in-house without having to list on a public breeding barn. Um, and then I think like even as easy as like putting a password on a horse to breed it, put, you know, password one, two, three, four to breed. And then you can tell your buddies who want to breed it. Hey, here's the password for the horse. It's in the barn. Go ahead and breed it. Like just give a way to lock the horse out that way. And then you can guarantee that if you've got a breeding deal set up with someone, you can guarantee that that person can go in and get it and not have to be sitting there at four o'clock in the morning when hopefully everyone's asleep and be furiously refreshing, hoping they pick it first because you're never going to win in a game with robots that are scanning the e-contracts. You're never going to win that game or you might win it for one of the breeds, but you're going to lose the other two. So if there's just a way that we can just, you know, password lock it, I think that's the easiest thing to do. Give an option to, you know, hold on reserve. Here's the horse password. Got to type the password into breed. Simple, easy. Would you like to be able to reserve all of them or you can only reserve one and two have to go to public? Um, I mean, I think you could customize that. So like you could, if you wanted to reserve one, you put the password up when your one's taken by whoever's got the password, you just take it down and then it automatically generates into the breeding barn, or maybe it goes back to your stable and then you can just, you know, send it through to the public barn that way. There's so many easy, easy solutions, quote unquote, and I'm not a blockchain developer. I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but it seems like something that shouldn't be super complicated to put in something as easy as just, you know, put in a password to breed done all right okay gotcha because i've i'm not i wasn't sure if if this was the point you're trying to make it trying to make but i've heard someone say this like if you could take all your breeds or like if you could all, do all private breeding I, I i forgot what his point was but basically like you control the market at that point like you kind of like have a monopoly on if like if everybody at Z ones takes all their covers and then sets the Z one floor at whatever, like I'm not I'm not I'm not even gonna try and fucking argue that because I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I would argue I would counter that point with if I've got the Z one, that's a crazy breeder. Shouldn't shouldn't I have first rights to breed that horse? You should. And and like I would say yes. If I've got two, if I've got three female great breeders and one great stallion breeder. I should be able to breed those three horses together and not have to worry about someone with a random bot taking it in some other country that I don't even know. Like, that's kind of my opinion on it. Like, that's a good point that that is, it's, fair. It, you should have that access. Um, Zook said it is so they can pump their numbers to investors. Uh, they can say that there's more unique stables. Top shot did the same thing with artificially increasing market cap. So make people create two stables to do crossbreeding and then you double the number uh, of stables you have active in the game. Yeah, I get that. But if we know that, the investors know that. <laughs> like the investors are looking at their, and yeah, maybe it looks good to like marketing from the marketing side. Like, hey, look at this. We've got 288,000 active individual stables. Maybe it looks good on that end. Um, but is it really good for the user? And, you know, I could see it turning some people away from Zed long-term, especially with those people that have put, you know, $200,000 into some of these low Genesis number horses that just want to be able to breed them out each year or each month. I mean, if you can't get that breed, that's a huge hit. And it just doesn't make sense to make people create another wallet to get the discount. Like just, just make it to where it's all in one wallet. You get the same discount as you would across stable. And there you go. Yeah. Easy, simple, um, and much more streamlined that way. Like, why do I need to have two MetaMasks, one in Firefox and one in Chrome just to make it happen? Or why do I got to sign out and sign back in kind of a thing? Right, right. So uh, if you had the keys to Zed, you could change one thing, bring back odds, take away flames, take away fatigue. What would you change and why? I would get rid of freeze entirely. 
or I shouldn't say entirely. I would, I would separate. So when there's tournaments, there's going to be, there would be freeze. And I think you take your tournament races. And we kind of talked about this in one of your streams a couple of weeks ago, you take tournament races, make it a totally separate racing funnel and you take everything else and separate it out. And maybe you get 10 tournament races a day or eight tournament races a day. And those could all be free. And you run those eight and don't make it impact your, your fatigue. So you can run your eight tournament races a day and whatever distance funnels you want with a separate race generator and it won't hit your fatigue. And then you have your paid races that are non-tournament. And in those races, um, you can operate just like we had before we had, you know, free races with no payout. So I think what that would do, you would get your paid racers back. And then those horses that run freeze because they can't run in two fifties, let's put in 50 cent, $1 and dollar 50 races. Um, we saw that when it glitched out back in October where they had those dollar 80 races and they filled so fast and it was fun and they were generating like crazy and people who wouldn't normally put horses in paids were putting them in paids because it was a little bit less risk. So I think you do a 50, $1, dollar 50 paid, you separate freeze out entirely. And then if you need to do a, you know, separate ELO system for each tournament, um, do something like that. FIFA kind of did that with FIFA's weekend league. Uh, weekend league every week, you start at zero points. And as you get wins and you, you escalate up the system every weekend, you get harder and harder competition kind of a thing. Do the same thing for tournaments, separate it out. And then you bring the money and the value back into paids. Um, you bring those 250 grinders that are currently running all freeze back. And then you're not seeing, you know, princess of power running a 250 race in class three, because there's nothing good for them to run right now. And in, in, in that, uh, in that atmosphere, that's what I would do personally. All right. Uh, what rank did you get to on FIFA? Max, what was your highest? Uh, that was 20. I, I, I had 120. I have one elite three. Okay. I was an elite, I was an elite one. Or I was a gold one, gold two guy for a long time. All right. Would you do like the team thing where you play with like uh, other, other people or was it just like a solo? You can. Oh yeah. Ultimate. It was all ultimate team. And I don't know how much money we I spent in the several years of FIFA uh, on ultimate team, but it was like stupid money. And like the interesting thing with FIFA, I could see an atmosphere where FIFA goes blockchain hundred percent can 100. see it happening. Oh, yeah. um, they've already announced FIFA 23 won't be a paid title. They're going the loot box route. It'll be a free download through your PS store, your Xbox store. And then they're going to take all their income straight from, you know, people buying packs. I think packs on FIFA was like, I think it was a $5 billion industry last year. Um, so imagine a system where, you know, every year the blockchain resets. So like you'd have a separate blockchain for FIFA 23 from FIFA 24 from FIFA 25. And you buy and trade everything that way through their own side through like, I think MLB recently started like top shot, imagine top shot, but they, they collaborate with 2k and you can use your top shot cards in NBA 2k. Like something like that would be incredible. And I could easily see it happening. 100% because then your, your character or your players don't die with the game, but those ultimate team, like I played ultimate team uh, a lot uh, as like, kind of like you did. And man, I think that is like one of the best things that I could have ever done just because you learn how to play the marketplace. You learn about value. Like you learn about like me personally, I don't like bidding on shit. I'm just a buy it now guy. If I want it, if, it, if yeah. it's on the marketplace, I'm just going to go hit buy it now. So those games yeah. can teach and you a lot like, about this space, right? Yeah. And it's like figuring out like what cards are going to be needed when, and like, if we ever got like a Z60, if you go out and buy some of those good bread, like Z60 pluses, the Z61 for the tournaments, you might be able to make, you know, not, you're not going to make a lot, but you might buy them at 0.012 and you might sell four days later at 0.015. But if you buy a hundred of them, you're making half of an ETH. So there's so much potential there. I did the same thing. I was a trader in, in FIFA and it was always like getting into the marketplace and, you know, sniping Argentinian left backs that were 82 rated or higher kind of a thing, because you knew they'd be needed for like a, for a squad building challenge later in the week or, right. you know, whatever it would be there. Um, I think if, if, if Zed run gets to that space where they, or there is value for every horse, there's even more opportunity there just to, kind of like arbitrage horses, buy a horse low, wait for an event to come along. That's going to make that horse have more value and sell it for a little bit of profit three or four weeks later. 100%. It's kind of like, uh, 
kind of like in Madden or even in FIFA, they would always have like this one gold or sil silver player would be hella cheap on the marketplace or nobody would really know about him, but they'd either have yeah. like crazy speed, crazy catching, or like something that would make them really good in the game. But from the outside looking in at their card, they are only just a gold or a bronze card. So most people would get rid of them, but they were really good in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it happens every year like that. So, um, or, or they have value because Anytime something comes out that that card's needed, mm. it skyrockets. It goes up two or three X in price. Like I could see it with, if you ever had like a butter and only tournament, um, you know, your butte legs and that would, would skyrocket in value. Your Z tens, your Z 11s, your Z 12s would, would all go crazy there because of the amount of blood and, and the value involved in getting them uh, bred. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fucking great time to be alive, man. So last question yeah. for oh. you. Um, what the hell was I going to ask you? Um, I asked you the keys to Zed. Oh, oh no. Did I ask you keys to Zed? Change one thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we got there. Point, point 0.5 ETH, I'm that's, guessing. That's my fucking question. Yes, man. You See, you know my shit better than I do. If yeah, you had hey, half an ETH, <laughs> you're here every day. If you had half an ETH to start your stable, but you knew the game, you researched, what would you go buy and why to start your stable? So, you know, I think a lot of people would say Genesis. I think there's so much value right now in those like Z9 to like Z12 exclusive finnies. Um, I was helping a few guys out uh, this week, kind of on stream, looking at some of those horses. And there's some like 12, 13, 14% win rate finnies over 50, 60 plus races that are selling for like 0.07. Like I saw a guy buy one for 0.05 with a 13% paid win rate, like just in paids alone um, and with a good down button. So I think I would probably use 0.4 and buy as many 12% plus Finney exclusives under a Z12. I know it's very specific, but I would probably go there and buy as many of those as I could with 0.4. And if I could get them female, even better. And then I would use the remaining 0.1 uh, to breed them out when their breeds come up and use that to find, you know, maybe you use that extra 0.1 to buy your Zedge, buy a Zedge tool. And then go in and use that extra money to breed them out. So you might get four or five horses, but you keeping a little bit extra one, you're going to race, you're going to make some passive income from the racing. So maybe that extra 0.1 becomes 0.12, 0.13. And then you pump that into a couple of good, like Zabo or Z5 breeds as they come up in the month. And now you've taken your stable from four horses to hopefully six or eight good racers. Um, and if you have six or eight good racers as a starting stable, it's a great opportunity to get in and learn and really like dive into the ecosystem and, and build a stable that way. I think, yeah. especially because of the value there with good racing exclusives uh, in those Finney bloodlines right now. And is that 12% paid or 12% free when you're looking at them? 12% paid. So I think my favorite filter is, uh, is Z12 or less Finney exclusive over 75 paid over 150 total uh, races. And you can pop that in sometimes and find horses well under 0.1, uh, sometimes 0.07. And some people are making deals and getting them for like 0.05. And then they're making that money back in almost a month or, or less even. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity there. I think it's a very undervalued area, the Zed market right now. They may not win you a lot of tournaments, but they're going to be those daily ETH grinders. And, and I'm more of a daily ETH grind myself. I love qualifying for tournaments. I love winning tournament races. Um, they're huge for, for starting stables and for, for lower budget stables, but having those daily ETH grinders really kind of gets you pushed along, I think. Right. And so you want to say it one more time for the new people. You said the statistics were what percentage? Yeah, it's uh, I like 12% win plus, uh, Z 12 or less. And then Finney leg or exclusive. Sometimes you'll find a good leg in there. Um, that someone's just looking to offload for liquidity. So Z 12 or less Finney. Legendary exclusive, twelve percent win rate, and then I'll look for fifty or more paid, and or, I'm sorry, seventy-five or more paid, and then one hundred and fifty total plus. Does it have to be profitable in paid racing? Um, preferably, yes, because you can really juice that win rate up. Like, you, if you're winning thirty, forty percent of your frees, but none of your paids, you can really juice that win rate up that way. So, I'll always go in and like look at the paid splits and look at the U shapes and paid. On know your horses but i mean man there's some there's some value there in that filter i feel like all right I and there was that. a time i was looking at that filter every day and just buying a horse or so every day and that's really how i i revamped my stable from you know negative 
I was at negative 0.2 profit. I think now I'm right around like 0.3 over the last month and a half. Let's go. Yeah. Which it's a, it's a big swing and, and for a stable of my size anyway, with none of these monsters in it over the course of, you know, six, eight weeks. Yeah. I respect what, what anybody else besides me does because you guys, play the game with like strategy you guys play the market you do this you do that my dumbass just got lucky so i'm just like yeah plug and play you guys study the game look at statistics look at this look at that so i respect what you do 100 percent, and it's it's cool to see you turn your stable around man no yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun man it's been a ton of fun so excited super bullish on where things go and excited to kind of see where this market takes us for sure where where where's the future of your stream and where, where do you plan on going with content creation it's a great question i just this is the first uh this is the first game i or game or anything i've ever streamed live other than like playstation streams that doesn't really count so it's really just having fun with it you know we, we like our white claws we like to have a little bit of fun um it's really just you know building a community getting guys out there um shameless plug twitch.tv slash avonfield stables Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, 10, or I'm sorry, nine o'clock, usually on sometimes 10 o'clock on, um, you know, we just like to have fun with it. Um, you know, again, building community. I like helping people out, like giving people advice, uh, where I can, uh, helping them find horses, just, you know, just it's always more fun if you can race and have a good time with other people. So building that community is probably the biggest thing for me and in, in the streaming side. 100%. It is fun to just come in there, just kick it. You're doing some races, drinking some white claws, having a good time. So yeah, keep doing you. Or a lot of white claws depending on what's going on and, and how blacked out or tanked we feel like getting that night. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a few doozy nights and then uh, the Moscato cut being one of them. So uh, another shameless plug there, Moscato cup next Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you 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 pulled out a dub in like one uh, in yeah. a round or in the whole tournament? Like how how did that work? No, so it's basically uh it, it just ended the last the last uh, qualifier for the grand finals ended on Wednesday, and essentially it is uh, seven rounds. You run one race around. If you win uh, your race in that round, um, you get a point. Most points at the end of the night wins. Top three go on to the grand finals. So. We did win. Uh, we did win the full tournament uh, two weeks ago, um, and so, so there's some cash prizes with that. You get a blood tool horse with that, uh, bred by Dan Shan, and uh, and there's also an invite for the number one into the Alhambra Racing Team, which is a pretty cool opportunity as well to kind of get affiliated with some of the best stables in the game. Um, that that project's I think probably the highest EV value out of out of a lot of things there right now. So. Um, really excited to get working with them and to get racing in some tournaments with those guys. It's a pretty good crew there as well. So that's awesome. And that's cool that people are doing that. Like they give the smaller stables the opportunity to come and race these horses. And then it just gives the bigger guys some time to be like, Hey, I don't have all the time to race these horses. Can you race them for me? Test them out for me. And then we can split the profits or however you guys work that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a great system. And then again, it's access to horses. It's a little bit of a, of some, of some profit sharing and things like that. And, and ultimately everybody wins in that way. So some access to some new horses that I've been testing around a little bit there and uh, and it's a good crew of guys as well. So cool. it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, that, and that grand final should be good. Again, it's, it's all small stables. It's all class three through class five. So It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm uh, I'm searching the market right now to try and plug a few holes I've got okay. in in my stable. Where like if a class four sprint gets pulled up, I don't have a class four sprinter, so I've got to find one now so I can have the best chance to try and win that tournament. So um, it's a really cool setup. The MVG guys do a really nice job. Um, so they should be rolling out some more stuff here soon. It sounds like, and uh, I don't think it's the last live stream tournament that we see here in Zed. I think it's going to be a pretty cool and a pretty big space. Uh, just from the Twitch side of, of the Zed world. 100%. Avon, you got any questions for me, man? Nah, man, I'm good. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I'll be around and go Bengals. I know Zook doesn't want to hear it, but uh, we're going We're going to the shit, baby. Let's go. So you're going, you're going to the actual AFC game this weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll leave tomorrow morning. We're heading to Kansas City. And uh, it's, it's going to be a pretty wild weekend. There, there might be a, a sneaky hotel stream in there one night. Okay hammered it's actually i'm going with one of the guys that got me into zed the guy who actually turned me on to zed's coming with us as well so uh it's it's gonna be a doozy of a weekend i'm sure so there, there might be a sneaky uh hotel room webcam stream going on on uh, on saturday night for sure how long have you been waiting for this moment oh so i'm i'm 34 
I don't remember when we, when we made the Super Bowl last. So it's been, it's been my whole lifetime for sure. I mean, I, I haven't seen a Bengals. I, I haven't seen a Bengals playoff win that I can remember anyway, until this year. So it's been a pretty crazy last few weeks. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for Arrowhead because that place is nuts in itself. Yes. But it's going to be a good time. That You guys, man, I didn't think uh, – because Burrow came into the league last year and um, he got he broke his leg last year, right? Or something like yeah, that. He yeah, he hurt. tore – he blew out a few, I think, last year, yeah. Yeah, not the best first year, but, man, once you guys added uh, Jamar Chase and, like, some of your other wide receivers, you guys just fucking took off. No, oh, he's a stud, and I think – I think it's, sky's the limit. They can get Burrow for some protection – I didn't think we'd be playing in this game this year. So, uh, so me and my dad are going along with a couple other guys and it's, it's going to be a good time. I'm not looking forward to the nine hour drive back on Monday morning, but yeah, it's, that's going to hurt, but it'll be better with a dub. You might need right? a few white cars in the car ride back and make somebody else drive. There you go. Hey, if you get a dub, easy eight hours. Oh yeah. Easy eight, easy eight on no sleep. Probably. Let's go. All right, man. I hope and you I'm, enjoy I'm your weekend. Over his grave right now. If he's still here, I haven't heard all this bangle fuck. <laughs> Sweet, man. Well, thank you so much. Where can people watch you on stream or contact you on Twitter if they need to? Uh, yeah, twitch.tv slash Avonfield Stables for Twitch. And then uh, Twitter, Herbie, H-E-R-B-Y, Herb42 on uh, Twitter. I'm always open. The DMs are always open. So feel free to give me a shout if you have any questions or uh, I can help anybody out with anything. So I appreciate it. Sweet. I appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate you always being in chat, my man. So have a good day. No, you're good, man. Take care. Peace out. Have a good, have a good one. one. Peace. You too.